Roots and Shoots. Gardening on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Full on 55 minutes coming your way. Sabrina's in the studio. There is a total fire ban today across the Midwest Gascoigne region and the entire Goldfields Midlands region. So be aware of that. The DFES website, that's Emergency WA, you can head to to look up all the details. We'll give you some more alerts this hour. There's also a catastrophic fire danger forecast for the Goldfields. All of that coming up soon. Um, and you can head to the DFES website for more information and the bureaubomb.gov.au. Uh, we also have had a few texts on 0437922720. Unfortunately, Dr. Bugs left the building, but we have had some really cool suggestions. Um, parents should try the fantastic free Nature Passport app made by Nature Play WA. You just Google Nature Passport app and lots of eight great, great ideas for getting the kids outside. What do you reckon, Sabrina? Ah, I'm with it 100%, Christy Lee. I think it's, um, you know, the great thing about holidays or Christmas is a lot of people have at least, you know, four days off. Um, And it's a really good time to get kids outdoors into the garden. And a fabulous Christmas present, perhaps Santa Claus might bring one for the kiddies, uh, is a magnifying glass. We were talking about that, yeah. Yeah, and it's awesome because I think insects are some of the most amazing species on the planet. And, of course, gardeners ring in all the time and they just want to kill stuff. <laughs> but, but you know, for just about every pest there's a predator. And um, I was so excited I just showed Dr Bugalugs a picture of what I thought was a gigantic mosquito uh, and I looked at it and I thought, if it lands on me, it's going to take at least two litres of blood. Uh, <laughs> and um, he told me it was a crane fly and they are so elegant and so beautiful and don't do any harm. So just, you know, that's the great thing about the app, uh, my Pest Guide app, is you can take a photo of something that you see, send it in, and then they get back to you and tell you what it is, its life cycle and all that sort of thing. So Don't panic. Don't rush no. into it. Um, you mentioned that um, bug app, but there's also, there's so many of them because it's so great. You don't have to pick out the app, you know, the encyclopedia now no. to identify anything. There's also a, a Christmas beetle app, and because there's so many species of those, you can have a look. And I remember as a kid at Christmas time around the summer holidays, you would – pick up one of those Christmas beetles in your hand and they don't, you know, really nip you too hard, but then they try and really force their way out of your hand. It was a fun little game. (laughs) (laughs) Sounding very morbid with all my insect games and my poor sister today. Hey, um, we've got a few text messages coming in and uh, some calls already, so we'll take some of those. Ernie's in Balladura. G'day, Ernie. Uh, Good morning, Sabrina. Morning, Ernie. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to to you you too. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I've got, got got a question and a little story. Oh, good. Uh, the story is so I've got a moonflower that's about to bloom, mm. uh, probably over the weekend. <gasps> me too, Ernie, me too. I've been watching it for the last two weeks. Yeah, I've got 25 blooms on oh, one plant. How Le- Left out of 35 buds initially. Right. So it's going to look lovely. Yeah. I'm going to be looking out for the fairies inside of me. You can see them in there. You can. You can, Ernie. Yeah. I call it the honeymoon flower. You'll probably know why. (laughs) 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 I I get what you're saying, Ernie. I get get what what you're saying. saying. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, the question I had was, I've got a custard apple small tree. Mm -hmm. 
that's bloomed for the first time this year. Yeah. And they have a very strange sort of a flower, a hard one. And yeah. the bees never go anywhere near it, even no. though I've got dozens of them in the yard. What should I encourage to pollinate them? Okay, so custard apples are a bit of a bit of a pain in some ways, Ernie, because they do what lots of tropical trees do. So when the flower opens up in the morning, all the... I can't remember which way it is, but it's either all the female parts of the flower open, then they close, and then they reopen, and all the male parts of the flower are receptive. So you need to go and get a paintbrush, collect the pollen in the morning and then just store it in a jar and then go out in the afternoon with the paintbrush and paint, tickle all the flowers. Good grief. I know. It's a lot of mucking around. And, Ernie, that's why that's why most people have two custard apple trees. Oh, right. Because you get much better cross-pollination. I see. I did hear that ants sometimes do the... Yeah, ants and um, moths, things like that can can help with the pollination, beetles, uh, anything that really crawls over the flower. one three hundred triple two seven twenty. Thank you, Ernie. And the text message number zero four three seven nine double two seven twenty. Sabrina in to take your gardening questions. Um, let's head to a picture, which is an ornamental ginger. Mm. Um, Costas Woodsoni um, has white spots on the leaves. This is from Betty in North Fremantle. Um, white spots on the leaves. What is it and how can it be treated? Will it kill the plant? Why does this happen? Oh, okay. That's all right. That's no problem. Um, what's happened there is you've had a little Oh, there's bigger... So the small white spots... I've just scrolled down. <laughs> it's, it's more grim. <laughs> it gets grimmer the further down you go. So the very small white spots are nothing to worry about because they a beetle, I would say, has got in there and had a bit of a chew at, at the leaf when the leaf is before it's unfurled, so when it's all tight as a bud. The larger part down the bottom is sunburn. So where it's been chewed um, or or sucked, the sap sucked, it becomes highly susceptible to sunburn. But I wouldn't worry about it. Just make sure you've got it in a fair bit of shade. Claire in Stoneville, good morning. Um, when, where and what prep should I do to plant out my new mulberry tree? I brought it at the Gidjiganup show. It's about three foot tall. I've always wanted one. I'm very excited and I don't want to screw it up. Ah, good on you, Claire. Okay, so it's a great time to put your mulberry tree in now. Go and get yourself a bag of compost, a bag of cow poo. Mix that in the in the ground in because at... Um, uh, what suburb was she, did she say? She bought it from Gidjiganup show. Yeah. Oh, she's in Stoneville. Mm. Okay, so Stoneville, some areas have quite heavy soil, but mixing that compost and the manure, make sure you put it in as a basin so that when you water, the water goes, sinks down to the root zone. Mulch it really well. Use a, a good quality slow-release fertiliser and it will take off over summer. 
You're on ABC Radio Perth and WA Roots and Shoots with Sabrina Hart. You can call us on 1300 222 720. We'll get through some of those text messages shortly. To the Southern River now. Mark, hello. You've got not just you who's uh, enjoying your apricots at the moment. Uh, uh, good morning, Sabrina. Morning, Mark. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. And Thank you. Same you. to you. Uh, thanks. Uh, look, we had a fantastic crop of... Uh, Apricots this year, yeah. second year. Yeah. Um, I mean, they all look perfect, but it, from them, they've gone yellow now. We we picked a few. Yeah. Oh, oh my God! It's all got bugs inside. Ah. Uh, what? What time should I spray and what what type of spray? Okay, so you know the bugs, Mark. When you open the fruit up, are they sort of like maggots? Yeah. Okay, so your apricots have been hit by fruit fly. Oh. So you start doing the whole fruit fly treatment. Um, Fruit fly are actually around all year in the garden, but you don't really notice them until you've got fruit on your trees. (laughs) So what you need to do is you need to hang baits in the tree yeah. There's nothing you can spray for f- fruit fly. There's oh. a, a bacteria that you can use, yeah. um, but it has to actually hit the caterpillar or the grub. It's actually yeah. a, a maggot. Um, I Honestly, Mark, what I do is I set traps in the tree. There's baits. There's pheromone baits you can buy you, you, as You can well. buy them from the gardening. Yes, yeah. Go to a nursery. You won't find them in hardware stores. You've got to go to a nursery. Ah, nursery. Um, so they have all the fruit, different fruit fly things. But if fruit fly are really bad, I mean, what I have to do is I completely net my stone fruit trees. So um, sometimes you have to resort to that. But go to go to a nursery and they'll give you three different um, ways of trying to control the fruit fly. Quarter past nine. Thanks for your call, Mark. One three hundred triple two seven twenty. You're on with Sabrina. Roots and shoots right across WA. Uh, hi, Sabrina. We've got a plant. Merry Christmas, says Jan. Ah, first. Um, we've got this plant, a type of succulent. It has been given to me. I'm told it's a type of ground cover. What is it? Uh, it. It is a type of kalanchoe. It's actually not a ground cover. Uh, it's more like a shrub. It will spread. It gets quite broad, uh, but it also gets to about 30 centimetres high. I suppose that's sort of ground coverish. Tough as old boots. Can't kill it. Enjoy it over Chrissy Jan. And um, we've got Chris in Leeming. Hello. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good day, uh, Chris. Um, I've um, got a bonsai, uh, sorry, a, a, a bonsai, a hibiscus. Yeah. Um, and uh, what it's – last year what happened was the, the first flower came out mm-hmm. and was stunning, yeah. but the buds after that fell off. Um, right. And I, um, I heard you say about a month ago or something that there was something that would attack hibiscus yeah. and the buds would, would – just drop off. Drop off, yeah. Before they even before they even get close to yeah. being. Yeah, yeah. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny little grub. Um, so you can just use pyrethrum, Chris. Right. Okay. So spray yep. with pyrethrum. 
fantastic. Yeah, because they get, they get into it when the bud's first forming um, and then they just chew through the, the little um, stalk that holds the flower on. Let's head out to 2J now. G'day, John. Good morning. Morning, John. Um, yeah, it's that time of the year. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my giant pumpkins. Here. Ah, the giant <laughs> pumpkin. Well, I won, I won last year in oh. growing up with the 220 kilo one. Oh, good Lord. I remember. Yeah. I remember we spoke to you, John. That's gigantic. Well, I'm, going, I'm going for a 560 to 600 kilo one oh. this year. Oh, my Lord. But, but. One of the um, one of the pumpkin um, vines, mm-hmm. the the main vine is splitting. Um, oh. So I've got a funny feeling that that one's probably had yeah. four. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering if you could give me some ideas. Would, can I still save it, or is it gone? Um, so the actual vine, the the main stem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it it looks munted. It looks like about three stems of. Uh, have joined together and, and, and made one stem. That's very but weird. It is, it really is. Look, and I, I reckon that, that sounds like one of those um, mycoplasma <clears throat> virus things. I'd take that out because if it is a virus and yep. you get a sap sucker in that, it's yep. actually going to spread it to the other pumpkins. Okay, well, I'll, Pull it I'll, out. I'll, I'll get rid of that one and just concentrate on the others. Yeah, yeah. Afraid so, John. Okay, thank you for that. Good okay, on you, John. and good luck. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we're going for a five to six hundred kilo one this year. Well, we're right behind you there, John. We'll be sending, <laughs> we'll be sending grow, growing thoughts to your pumpkin. I was going to send you a a, a, a um, photo of it last year, but the um, the website you you guys gave me was the wrong one. It kept oh. bouncing back. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> never mind. Well, try try um, try this one. Uh, which one? Uh, Perth Weekends. Perth. Perth Weekends at abc.net.au. Perth Weekends. Weekends with an S. Yeah. At abc.net.au. It's not just gremlins in the gardens. There are in technology as well, which yeah. we know all too well here at ABC Radio. I'm shooting through some of these text messages. Um, Catherine in Albany, hello. We've recently purchased a block of land with two established nectarine trees over 15 years old. We really don't want to chop them down, but to level the land means burying the trunks by 80 centimetres. Would they survive and what do we do to keep them? 80 centimetres is too too far. I reckon, um, I reckon they'd rot. You know what I'd do? Give them, uh, at the end of summer, give them a prune and then I would lift them uh, in winter, say June, in June, lift them up and replant them. Heidi and Cottesloe, something of interest. I have a KP mango in a pot, flowered and set fruit for the first time. Very exciting. Mm. I also have two beehives next to the mango. Never saw a bee near the flowers, but big green blowflies were always crawling all over them. So blowfly pollination. Yep. Now, this is the thing. See, people only think that European bees are pollinated, pollinators, and they are. But there's many, many, many things. Moths, butterflies, weevils, beetles, anything that crawls over or into a fly, and lots of flies pollinate. You know, there's, there's Christy Lee, there's some flowers that, that, there's a flower they call the dead horse lily, and they call it that because it is 
the foulest smelling thing ever. So it has this big space um, black flower on it and you can smell it from about two blocks away and it's pollinated by blowflies. So quite a few things are pollinated by by blowfly and all sorts of different flies. Sometimes it's ignorance is blessed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're trying really hard to get through some of these text messages and your calls, 1300 222 720, it's 21 past nine. Roots and Shoots on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Julian Hillary's, good morning. Good morning. I'm sorry, Sabrina, but my question's about a lemon tree. <laughs> That's quite all right, Julie. That's quite all right. It is loaded It's with Christmas lemons. and I and I feel very in a very giving spirit. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> my poor lemon tree is loaded with lemons. Yeah. But on the underside it starts with this I think it starts off white and it very quickly goes brown like a in, oh. and then it ends up covering virtually the whole lemon. Now, I've been to three nurseries with yep. these lemons. There's nothing wrong with the fruit, but I can't use the skin, and the tree's getting worse and worse. Yep. And now there's leaf drop on the last third of the branches. Help! Okay, so now, Julie, you are going to have to spray as soon as possible yep. with a liquid copper spray. I've actually done that once. But how long ago did you do it? Quite a while now. Yeah. Yeah. Now the only problem with that is that you can't do it once temperatures are above 30 degrees. Yes, I know that, yeah. So, uh, and you need to spray the entire tree. Yeah. Um, it's, It's a brown rot disease. Now, it gets into the tree when the, when they're when all the lemons are at bud stage right. and you, you can't you don't notice it until the lemons are virtually fully formed mm-hmm. so make sure that you have no mulch up against the the trunk of the tree yeah um make sure there's no branches that actually hit the ground so any of those lower branches trim them off because mm-hmm. the fungus will you know the spores will go into the ground when you water the ground they bounce back up so the spores right. will float back up to the tree okay and is it just one spray or how yeah often? you should only need one spray if you do all that other stuff pick up any fallen lemons make sure you clear the mulch around the tree and no hanging branches down to the ground. All right, bit of a list there. Good luck, Julie. Frantic Fran from Leshenault. What have you got for Sabrina? <laughs> oh, good morning, Sabrina. Good morning, Fran. Uh, I promise I'm not stalking you. No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember uh, meeting you. I remember meeting you uh, down, at, down, down at... Down at... Down um, at um, the Management Cherry yeah, Festival. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, I have a question in regard to jonquil bulbs. Yeah, um, I've had them in a metal sort of pot that's a couple of feet around, yeah. and they've been in there for about five years. Now the metal pot just rusted away, mm-hmm. and so I've taken all the bulbs out. Yep, I put them in water because they were. It was quite a heavy soil that they were in. Right. So I've washed the dirt off them and dried them out. Yep. Put them inside a sort of a, a hessian bag. Yeah. Should I put them in the fridge now or just leave them somewhere else? Ah, uh, too early to put them in the fridge yet, yeah, right. Fran. So just put them in a paper bag. Okay. And put them somewhere 
dark and cool, like like somewhere right. where you'd put your potatoes if okay, you're storing like potatoes. Okay, like in the pantry. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And then yeah. and don't don't put them in the crisper until six weeks before planting. Good luck, friend. Good luck, Fran. I should turn my microphone on. It helps. Um, it helps. It does help. You'll find, Christy Lee, that a lot more people I could hear yell you into then. yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, Merry Christmas to this texter. I'm in trouble. Trimmed my mum's bottle brush a few weeks ago. Oh. She's very upset oh. that I did it and it may not return to its former glory. <laughs> it's 25 years old. Do you think it will come back? P.S. Dad's been watering it madly <laughs> since... <laughs> Ah. Oh, dear. Well, number one, your mum should be most grateful that you actually wanted to help in the garden. So that's that's a positive. Um, the other positive is you can't kill a bottle brush. So what will happen is if, you're, if your pruning technique is you've just hacked the top off and the sides, then it will grow back really bushy. So what you need to do now is give it some slow-release fertiliser or a wetting agent and get your dad to keep on watering and it will come back beautifully. Bottle brushes actually prefer being pruned. Um, you usually select various branches, but I can assure you that if you do all that, it will come back to its former glory, and you'll be loved again by your mum. Oh, back for, redemption is nice. Yes, it is. Yes. We'll be back to your calls in a second. Um, just this quick one from Damo and Les Murdy. Someone gave me some dragon fruit cuttings yesterday. What should I do with them? Oh, stick them in the ground. Now, dragon fruit, remember, it's a tropical plant, needs free-draining, rich soil so you can't put it in clay. They prefer being in a protected position. In the tropics, you can plant them in full sun. In Perth, you can't. So they won't. They don't like afternoon sun, so dappled light or just morning sun. Prep the hole with a bit of potting mix and some compost and um, put a stake in while they're young because when they get bigger, they're spiky little sods and you can't get so close to them. Stephen Dardner, you wanted to talk about mulberry trees. Good morning. Oh, morning. How you going, Sabrina? G'day, Steve. Hey, we've got a we've got a hundred oh, year old mulberry tree on the farm. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 fruiting, no worries. But I was just wondering, can we prune it and yep, give like mulch down and sort of yep. net it? Yep. Absolutely. Now, mulberry trees can live for about 300 years. So um, you definitely can prune it, Steve. Make sure that the pruning tools are clean, like spray them down with a bit of metho. Um, Don't prune it hard, though. You cannot prune really old trees hard. Uh, Put a wetting agent down. Uh, give it some slow-release fertiliser and a bit of poo and she'll last for another couple of hundred years. Oh, beautiful. So when should I, once it's fruited, then prune it then, like in June or...? Yeah, yeah, wait until until June, July. Okay. July July is better. Right, okay. Okey-doke. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay, Steve. Have a Merry Christmas with your mulberry tree. Let's head to Lynn. Next on ABC Radio Perth and WA, one three hundred triple two seven twenty. You've got something to confess, Lynn. Yes, I'm a plant murderer. Ah, oh, Lynn, my goodness. You get life for that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the two plants I have difficulty with, one is a xanadu. Yeah. 
and it's looking really ratty for some Really? Reason. You have problem with a Xanadu? Yes. I'm Mark. not that much of a gardener, let's face it. Wow, that's and amazing. The, <laughs> and the, the other one is a limonium, which I have completely killed. Okay, now that's okay because limoniums are easy to kill. Right. Um, they get, uh, so for people that don't know what limon, well, they they can get a um, they can get a fungal disease on the leaves. So um, so for people that don't know what limonium is, it's status basically. Um, I had a feeling I might have overwatered it. Is that possible? Yeah, that definitely is possible because they they're really tough, hardy plants. Mm-hmm. If you overwater them, they'll rot. Okay, that might have been the trouble with them. I yeah. was too kind. You were yeah. too kind. Now, for your... I don't know how you can kill those philodendrons. They're tough as old boots. But they do require water and they, do, they don't like drying out in between watering because uh, they're tropical and they don't like sun. They prefer shade. So oh. have you got it out in full sun? Uh, no, it's in parts of mostly shade, but I've seen them growing beautifully in full sun. <laughs> yeah, they do, but they don't get as big. Like the leaves are much smaller in full sun. Um, I'm not too sure what you're doing wrong there because I've never met anyone that can kill them. Lynn, good luck. <laughs> oh, Lynn. oh, but with kindness, though, killing with kindness. You know what happens with those plants too is because they grow up, so their root systems sort of are out of the ground and you've got to cover them with soil, those little anchor roots. That might help. John in Duncraig, thanks for texting in 0437922720. John's asking about this tree, hmm. um, how big it will grow. It's self-growing in his front courtyard and already four metres tall and growing quickly. Huh. Um, it's a bit blurry, the photo. It's a bit blurry. Uh, it's like very abrasive leaves. I, I thought at first it's a conifer, but it's not a conifer. It look, I don't know. It looks like it's a bit blurry. Um, yeah. It could be a bottle brush. See if see if you can get a little bit closer. Um, yeah, for of us, the John. leaf of the leaf. I so we can identify picture. it. Mm. Um, we've got Wendy from Katanning who called and said, "Could you please see if the variegated mirror bush can be given to animals?" Ah, okay. So the mirror bush is Caprosma. Um, so you, she'll be able to Google that or I'll Google it. Oh, I'll ask Lorraine to Google it. Lorraine, who's our lovely, beautiful producer, um, uh, could you Google uh, is Caprosma poisonous to animals? And uh, we'll find out. Straight on it. Thank you. We've got... Uh, someone are next. I think they've the names come off the board, um, oh. but I believe this was about apricots. Is it Steve? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Maybe no, not Steve. Who have we got Brad, there? Brad. 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 Were you calling about the apricots? Yes, I was. Oh, beautiful. Um, last year we had a um, a bumper crop of apricots. I was picking probably between two and three dozen apricots a day for most of January. I'm so jealous. 
Oh, but you're not. You won't be in a minute because <laughs> this year the apricot tree has about ten apricots on there. Oh, now and I wonder why. Okay, that is quite normal for apricots. Now apricots are notorious at being biennial fruiters. Okay, so. There's two things that can cause that, just their biennial fruiting, but what also adds to that is climate. If you have had a milder winter or... um, Because apricots like a chill factor. So uh, the winter was a bit odd this year. So I would say it's because it's the second fruiting year, it's biennial non-fruiting year, and also... the climate has combination yeah. of the winter as yeah. well. Okay, but next year, next year, Brad, <laughs> you'll be picking the same again. Okay, so we wait twelve months and yeah. have a bucket yeah. full of apricots. Absolutely, okay, absolutely. I appreciate you taking my call. Okay, Thank you no very worries, much. Brad. Good on you, Brad. One three hundred triple two seven twenty. It's twenty six to ten on ABC Radio Perth and WA Roots and Shoots with Sabrina, and we've got a. Few more texts. Uh, Callie in Langford says, "Small fig tree, um, which is covered in fruit, mm. is it safe to treat now? Or should I wait until the fruit is picked? And is white oil the best treatment?" Oh, it's got the pearl scale. They're quite pretty. Mm. It reminds me of little jewels, oh, like shells on the beach. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those little limpet shells. Um, so you thought of shells on the beach, and I thought of jewels, which is really quite <laughs> extraordinary because I never wear jewelry anyway. But uh, oh, and a, a ripper passion fruit fine in the background my goodness uh it is no problem at all to spray don't use um uh, white oil is based on petroleum uh which i don't think is particularly good for trees so go and get a botanical oil that's made from plant material you can certainly spray now there's no withholding period you can eat the fruit straight away now what i did not yeah, yesterday, Christy Lee, was I started, you know, my big thing for scale is high-pressure hosing. So I thought I would experiment with the pressure of the high-pressure hose to see how close to get to blow leaves off because that's always... Sounds like fear. fun. <laughs> and I discovered you have to get really, really close to Do blow you? the leaves off, Yeah. So strong little buggers. <laughs> so do you spray and then the next day high pressure hose because the spray will suffocate the scale but the high pressure hose knocks the little buggers off the leaf and they fly and then they're dead. But you may have to do your own test on how close you get with the high pressure hose. I'd love to hear um, some of the results <laughs> from those tests. One three hundred triple D seven twenty. Thanks for your text, Helen in Rockingham. Um, she's got a new compost tumbler and wants to make a first lot of compost. She's got shredded paper and fresh lawn clipping, clippings, and wants to know the ratio of those and what else she might need to add. Okay, so the big thing about compost is you have to have four parts of dry stuff to one part of wet stuff. So your dry stuff is shredded paper and your wet stuff is fresh lawn clippings. I highly recommend for anyone that's making compost, go and buy a bale of hay or a bale of straw. Because remember, if you've got if you've got a bucket of your veggie scraps from the kitchen, you need four buckets of hay 
or shredded paper to balance the carbon and nitrogen. You also need a bag of poo um, and you need to water it so it's moist. So get a bale of hay, a bag of poo, water it and cover it. There's a song in there, I'm sure. I reckon there A bale of hay, a bag of poo. (laughs) You're on ABC Radio Perth and WA with Sabrina. Let's go to Di in rural Busselton. G'day, Di. Oh, good morning. Morning, Di. And good Christmas spirit. Ah, thank you. Um, We've moved to a paddock and I've planted new trees, a new garden, coming in hard and fast, and so are the wingless. Grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. They're Mm. everywhere. They're up the walls. They're eating everything. Most disappointed. I know I've got to work with nature. Yeah. Morning to them. I'd love to know how to just nick them along, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now that grasshoppers are so hard, grasshoppers and crickets are so hard to control because they keep on bloody moving. So um, the only thing you can do is to protect your trees by covering them. So, you know, the um, the little plastic uh, tree, tree guards that you get, you can use those. The only other thing you can do to stop the wave of them coming through is use a bait where you get um, bran and you put malathion in with it and they actually eat that as they go through. Let's see if um, Tim's having the same problem in Palmyra. Is it, do, do you know if it's grasshoppers or what sort of bugs they're eating your plants, Tim? Hi, hi there, thank you. Um, look, it only happens at night time. I've sat out, I've sat out on the back deck with a six-pack of <laughs> looking and hunting and waiting and I can't see anything and it just attacks all my green shoots, anything, petunias, lobelias. Uh, it, it completely destroyed all my chilli plants. Uh, really? It's, it's just stalks left. There's nothing left, just the stalks. So I, I, I've just planted a heap of uh, giant sunflowers for my kids. Right. And they, um, they they shoot. I go out in the morning and see half a dozen shoots, and the next morning they're gone, leveled to the ground. Do you know what it could be? It could be cutworm. Now, cutworm is cut a yeah, cutworm. Yeah. They call it cutworm because it just cuts the bloody stem off. Right, um, yeah. So you you put your plants out, and the next day they're all just cut off. Yeah, look the petunias, the little. Um, I, I tried growing or getting buying older ones, not the little seedlings. So they're maybe six inches high, but the next morning come out, the flowers are eaten, um, all the leaves are gone, and they're just these six inch high stalks. Okay, so there's a couple of things I reckon that could be, Tim. Number yep. one is the cutworm, which is actually a, a, a caterpillar. And okay. the and the second thing is a moth that lays its eggs inside the buds of plants, yep. the growing point. Right. They hatch into caterpillars very quickly and they actually eat everything. Yeah, okay. But they are so fine. You cannot see them. Can't you, see them. No, now you the, need a magnifying glass. The intriguing thing, Sabrina, is it's only happened, I've been living in this same address for 10 years. Yeah. It's only been happening the last two summers. Right, okay. So. And also, sorry, snail pellets. Yeah. I put the blue snail pellets around that the next morning, they're all eaten as well. Really? Real yeah. And do you know what? I hate to say it, but I think I've got rats. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Do rats eat all this kind of stuff? Um, now, I don't know if rats eat snail pellets, but I do know that rats eat snails. <laughs> snails are their favourite food, but they might... I'm just wondering if... It, have you got a lot of lizards in your garden? Because lizards um, eat snail just, pellets. Uh, just a happy little sun lizard, you know, those guys. Yeah, yeah. And um, the other one, one neighbour did say to me, I do have a couple of big, lovely eucalyptus trees hanging over my fence. Yeah. And I have, I have a possum in there. Yeah, but the possum, the possum's going to be the possum's not going to go at the green stuff. Want, possums want fruit. Yeah, rats will not eat the green stuff either. They're after a different kind of food source. I reckon it's either cutworm or that that moth that's laying the the now. The only thing, see, the problem is if it's inside the leaf tissue, there's nothing you can. There's nothing you can spray because they're inside the leaf tissue. You don't want to use a systemic thing on anything that you're eating. Um, the only thing I can think of is there is an organic spray that's pyrethrum and canola oil. So go to a nursery, um, get that. And because it's pyrethrum and canola, you can spray. I'm just thinking about the life cycle. I would spray every five days. And if you do that consecutively four times, then you should break that life cycle. So it's pyrethrum and canola oil and it's an organic spray. You're going to have to do that. All the best, Tim, to the trip to the nursery. Speaking of the nursery, Mark in Spearwood, Sabrina says, could you please explain what prostrate means on plant labels at the nursery and does it mean it will spread much on the ground? That's a great question, Mark. Yes, prostrate means that it it crawls along the ground. So they usually use the term it has a prostrate habit or it's a prostrate form because the other form is actually a shrub. So like grevilleas, you can get grevilleas that are shrubs. If you get a grevillea that's prostrate, it means it's a ground cover. So this can vary if it's a prostrate form. So if you've got a... Uh, say a one metre shrub and it says it's a prostrate form, then it will probably only grow to 30 centimetres rather than a metre and it will spread out. Great question. This is Roots and Shoots, gardening on ABC Radio Perth and WA. It's probably similar. That term will be used over the Christmas break for some of friends and family that come and drink all day long at your place. They will end up being a prostrate form of themselves on your back garden. <laughs> Hopefully the next <laughs> term isn't used over Christmas, brown spots. That's from Robin in Rossmoyne. She says her camellia has brown spots. G'day, Robin. Ah, uh, Hello, yes, Robin. Good morning, all. Morning. Merry Christmas to you all, yes. Thank you, Robin. Same to you. So your, yes, look, your brown spots, can you scratch them off? Are they in the leaf? No, they're actually in the leaf. Ah, okay. And I've got three camellias. Two of them are afflicted with this brown spot. Right. The other one's all okay. They're about 40, maybe 50 years old. Oh, okay. So they're old bushes. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, what I would do if I were you is give them a spray with a mancozeb-based fungicide. How do you spell that? 
M A N C. Yes. O Z E B. Fungicide. Yep. Mancozeb fungicide. Okay. So what actually? Do you know what the problem? Uh, yeah. Would yeah. Actually... It's 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 a fungal spot. And um, you quite often get it when temperatures, when it's quite humid and you've had a warm winter and then you have sort of rain, late rain and it's quite humid. So all those conditions are, you know, camellias, you'll, you'll quite often see they'll get that spot during the, the summer period because of the humidity. Now, we had that um, question from Wendy in Katanning earlier who asked about the, the variegated mirror bush ah, yes. um, being given to animals. And Lorraine has looked this up and said she can't find anything to say it is yep. poisonous. Yep. So now the thing about the mirror bush, I don't know if animals would like to eat it because it's got a very glossy leaf. Um, so it, it'll have quite a sticky sap. And there's lots and lots. If it was toxic to animals, it would be on one of those websites. So I'd say it's safe to use. Um, use you trial it first on your least favourite animal, and <laughs> and and just see what happens with the with the high pressure hose, maybe. <laughs> Shane in Canningvale. Good morning. He says I have some hippia strum in pots. Do I need to remove the bulbs and store them for planting next season? Nah. Hippie astrums you can leave in the bulbs, uh, in their pots for forever. Just sort of put them, they go into dormancy. So you can just throw them to one side until they're ready to re-sprout and then you can put fresh potting mix in when they're ready to re-emerge. Low maintenance, that's what we like. Yeah. Let's go to Lancel and Norma. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Uh, my question is about hollyhocks. Yes, Norma. Um, I've... At being at Lance and they grow well, they grow nice and tall and they look lovely. Then the breeze comes in and they snap off or lie on the ground. Aww. May I pick, uh, cut them off about 10, 12 feet before they get too tall? Yeah. Or will they not flower? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Do it when they're young, Norma, and then they'll send out side shoots rather than growing straight up and tall. Hope that helps, Norma. We've got Herb in Mullawa. Good morning, Herb. How are you, Sabrina? G'day, Herb. Uh, Sabrina, we've got um, two uh, two fruit trees, a mandarin and an orange. They're both fairly old. They'll be 60 years old or more. Wow. But uh, uh, the last two years, they uh, have thousands and thousands of flowers and little tiny fruit starts to set. Yep. And then they just throw them a whole lot. Ah, well, that's a bit disappointing, really, Herb. Not really. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, what you need is microbes and minerals then. So microbes and minerals get a fertilizer that is yeah. encapsulated with microscopic fungi and bacteria because uh-huh. i reckon it's a nutrient deficiency but for some unknown reason your mandarin and orange tree isn't picking up the nutrients huh. even I though see. i presume you fertilize them yes i've yeah. been fertilizing with with uh, with um, the a fruit fertiliser yep. from Bunnings, yeah. Okay, okay. So d- remember not to over-fertilise, uh-huh. um, but I'd change your fertiliser regime because I reckon you need to get some uh, a, a different set of minerals in there. So uh-huh. um, if you want, go to my website, which is sabrinahan.com.au. And on there, I, I talk about the best fertiliser for fruit trees uh-huh. and why and yeah, why. Yeah. So yeah. I'd 
I'd be changing your, your regime there, Herb. It's 11 to 10 o'clock on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Roots and Shoots with Sabrina. Let's shoot to Mary in Mount Barker. G'day, Mary. Hi, Sabrina. I'll take your Yeah, uh, Sabrina, um, about the grasshoppers. Yes, Mary. Some years ago, uh, when I was on a farm, my husband wasn't home. He was over on another property. Yeah. And uh, this band of hoppers that like a big, looked like a big bitumen road coming towards my garden. Oh. And I thought, what can I do? And uh, they were still in this hopper stage, not yeah. flying. Yeah. And uh, it was a massive lot. Anyway, I Remember that when I was using dishwash, uh, Amway dishwash, uh, dishwash in sorry, Amway dish drops. I get it right. Yeah. In my washing up, you know, anything that fell in the water instantly died. So I is thought I'll right? try that. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, what it is, it it kills anything on contact, but it doesn't keep killing, and it's and it's uh, biodegradable. So it's it's like a detergent. It's not a dish. It is a, dis- it is a dis- detergent, yes. And it's not yeah. a it's not a um, it's oil it's... based. You see, it's, I, I rang the local vet there who was yeah. a distributor, yeah. and I asked him, "What's this? I'm using it to wash our dishes." He said, "No, it's a um, it's a um, surfactant. It's did a what? Did did they say it was a surfactant? A surfactant? What's that? Oh no, that's all right. What? So what? Well, did... It just has got coconut oil in it. And it, and it block, blocks up their breathe holes. Ah! So go for it. It's one capful in a, in a watering can. Mary, you're a legend. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks so, so much, Mary. Even make your own coconut oil spray. So our listener from... I can't remember where she came from now. That had the grasshopper problem. You know, the thing about grasshoppers and crickets is you've got to get them, you have to spray them at that early stage before they develop wings. Um, So there you go. There's a detergent you can use or coconut oil you can use. And also someone rang Christy Lee from up north when they had a plague coming through and they were stripping everything and she sprayed... Her lawn with yellow dye. What colour? Food dye? Yeah, yellow food dye. So the lawn was this sort of iridescent greeny yellow. Uh, and the, the grasshoppers did not, would not go on it. Is that right? Mm. Because of the, the colour change? Because of the colour. Sneaky. So I like it. All insects have, you know, different, because they've got all those weird eyes. Um, they can see various spectrums of colour and some colours they can't see at all. So, 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 so far this morning, we are so, we are, we're onto it. So we've got, we've got yellow dye, we've got coconut oil or detergent. We've got even another suggestion coming in from Kim, which we're going to touch on in a moment. But Margaret has sent in this question. She's got some, I'm going to have a crack at this, dried cyclamen seeds. Oh, very good. Ooh, um, from last season. When should she germinate them? Uh, not until the end of summer. There you go, Margaret. Kim, you've got a suggestion. Good morning. You're Sabrina. Hi. Uh, before I tell you my suggestion, Sabrina, how did you get on with the avocado shells on your slaters? Ah, 
Fantastic. That they works work really an absolute well. bloody treat, Kim. And it works for days. I know. It? I meant to tell that to people on air this morning. I met up with Kim down at uh, the Cherry Festival and she was telling when you finished eating your avocado, you just put the skins out. So you've already so it's a win win all round, isn't it, Kim? It is. It's brilliant. They and they last for a couple of days. You yeah. know, not like where your orange cups only last overnight. Yeah. Anyway, about the fellow that was having his seedlings eaten. Yeah. My seedlings over autumn were being bitten right down to the ground by rats. Oh. And my currently my possum is eating my passion fruit flowers. So now, I can understand them. Things. Yeah, it could be rats. So what I was going to suggest was, what if the fellow was to get some sheer curtaining and cover his seedlings and he'll know whether or not it's, you know, crawlies coming from in the ground yeah, or, or pests that are grazing on them from the top. From above. Kim, you are a font of knowledge, my friend, <laughs> a font of of knowledge. So for anyone that's got slater problems, go and eat avocados, leave them in the garden. The slaters go in by their thousands um, and die. And uh, yeah, so you know that you can just, you can go to, um, they're not called haberdashery shops anymore, but places that sell uh, material and you can get that fine curtaining material that everyone used in the 1960s and cover your seedlings and that's a great idea Kim see if it's coming from above or below you're a gem Kim at six to ten on ABC radio Perth and WA this is roots and shoots with Sabrina Stephen thank you for your text he sent this on behalf of his 90 year old father-in-law um, it's a photo of his mango tree leaf wanting to identify what it is on the leaf and how he should treat it. What's oh, a bit blurry? Oh, it says, it's, that's another type of scale. You don't often see scale on a, um, a mango. It is a bit blurry, but they look like raised lumps. Um, so get that, uh, that plant-based oil spray is the way to go. There you go, Stephen. Um, Murray from Darlington would like to cultivate a giant mistletoe, a.k.a. WA Christmas tree. Hmm. Can it be grafted onto natives and what would be the best host? You can't you can't graft them. You grow them with a host. And uh, to, to start them off, they use the host is something like lipia or cooch or dichondra and then as they get bigger you have to get larger plants so quite often they grow really well with wattles if you put the the two of them um on there and we've had a bit of feedback about our caprosma we have and it's mixed moly uh mix so julie has said that she had a mirror plant in melbourne a lamb ate it and then the lamb died um and then robin's text in to say we had these living on a farm and called it tammy bush because the pet lamb tammy would demolish them when she sneaked into the garden tammy lived to be an old lady love your program thank you robin so that is really interesting um now the lamb that died in the in the garden in melbourne um it may not have just been the mirror bush because most people have lots of different plants in their gardens. Um, but if you're feeding it to sheep, the best thing to do is to actually ring a vet because 
they're going to know. Vets out of everyone would know what's what's toxic to animals and what's not. Four to ten. We've got a few more texts to sneak in, but the jury's out on on the mirror bush for the moment. Mm. Um, well, Gary called and said that he's found um, live mice in snail pellets. Apparently, rats and mice love them. Ah, oh, so rats will eat snail pellets. Maybe, maybe uh, they have a particular diet or uh, mm. desires, depending on where you are. I don't know. Yeah, I, I. Yeah. I always worry about snail pellets because of dogs and also lizards, so I never ever use them. But um, I guess rats, they eat anything, don't they, at the end of the day? Little Tom bunnies. and Mark, it's Christmas. Um, maybe this is a self-Christmas present. We're about to get chooks. Ah. Will they do any damage to the veggie patch? You bet they will. They'll just scratch everything up. I have my neighbours' chooks that come over into my garden because I have lots of bugs and things and they completely... Look, chooks have have long claws and they love to dig. So I would not let them in... Put them in your veggie patch once a month to get rid of pests. But you will notice that where they scratch and make their little dust bowls will completely destroy your veggie garden. One three hundred triple two seven twenty. We might be able to sneak one more call in here for Sabrina. Um, Karina in Esperance says, "I have wood bugs eating my peaches. How do I control them?" Wood bugs. Mm. Ah, it's interesting. Um, you, you'll need to spray with a neem oil spray. Brendan is moving uh, or potentially moving to uh, the beach somewhere near Perth, growing a large edible garden, hopefully. Um, Some important considerations for having an edible garden near the beach. Get good soil, build your soil up and then don't forget you have to hose all your plants down once a week to get the salt crystals off the leaf surface. That's my tip. All right, I think we've got one last caller in here. Let's have a look. Uh, Ruth has called in. G'day, Ruth. Hello, hello. G'day, Ruth. Hello. Um, snail pellets and rats. The rats love them. Do they? They had a 20-kilo bag and they devoured the whole lot. <laughs> I wonder if it affects them in any way. I couldn't. don't think I was that lucky. <laughs> Well, that is good to know, Ruth, because I've never been sure about rats eating snail pellets and I hope it makes them bloody sick. I hope so too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Ruth. And Liz from Warwick says, can you explain why the leaves on my ornamental plum are green rather than plum coloured? I have used a general purpose fertiliser. Ah, it's it's gone back to its to its mummy or daddy. So it's reverted back to what it's uh, what it's been grown from. It that's no good. Get rid of it. You don't want that. Are you in with us next week before Christmas? I am, Christine. Oh, I am. So if you want to get any questions into Sabrina, you can text them through. We'll, we'll go through some of the ones we missed out on today. That's oh four three seven nine double two seven twenty. What have you got for the next week? Um, a party. A party. A Christmas party. Several. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So we, so we might see you with your, your head dragging between your legs on Saturday. <laughs> More than likely, Christine. Oh, it's going to be fun. Um, thank you so much, Sab. We'll see you in a week. Yep, will do. And if you've got any more questions, and um, we'll hopefully sneak them in next week, which is the day before Christmas Eve. I can't believe it. Thanks so much for your company today. It's 10 o'clock. The cricket coverage will be coming up next. This bushfire season, when we issue a watch and act, we need you to take action and listen. 
put in place your survival plan. For the latest bushfire warnings, visit emergency.wa.gov.au. ABC Radio Perth, your emergency broadcaster.